for the audio or you can even watch back Giving players all the props or put them on blast We don't give no hot takes, only talk facts We're giving all our devotion Riding high on this wave of emotion Going all out, yeah, cause this is our time
Listen to the Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment. Like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked the young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinaro on this Thursday, September 28th. And um, clear tra- to be transparent here, this is pre-recorded, uh, but I'm sure you're watching it as it uh, makes its way onto YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter uh, weeknights at 10 p.m. But I am in uh, Florida still. Uh, and I will be back uh, late on the weekend. And so I'll be back in the studios of the Sick Podcast, which is actually in my home. Built myself a podcast studio uh, for Monday night show, which will go live at 10 p.m. Uh, without further ado, the Sick Podcast is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. Also brought to you in part by La Bitta TV, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with uh, premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. And by the way, brought to you in part by Playground. WPT Global is coming to Playground for the must-play poker event of the year. Over $2.3 million in guaranteed prize pools, including a $1 million guaranteed main event. Playground's WPT Global October Millions Poker Series from October 6th to the 13th, visit playground.ca for details. Uh, I'm going to bring in from the Montreal Gazette and HockeyInsideOut.com, Stu Cowan, what's going on? Hey, Tony, how's uh, things in Florida? Uh, things are great, besides the fact that Agnello has me doing a podcast when I could be enjoying the pool or enjoying the beach right now. But at the same time, he allowed me to make my way down to Florida for one entire week. So the fact that I had to do two podcasts this week, I can't really complain, can I? No, but I heard you missed uh, missed out on your buddy Messi, though, right? <clears throat> yeah, I missed out on uh, my buddy Messi. I uh, went to the game yesterday, and um, I got tickets uh, shelled up pretty big for them. Uh, shelled up pretty big for Saturday, too, as they play New York City FC. But, you know, Stuart, I've said this before. I was on uh, radio earlier today. And I also hosted the sick podcast, CF Montreal Talk. I received a lot of text messages from my friends saying, like, are you, are you, how upset are you? I said, look, 
I'm, I'm disappointed, obviously. I mean, when I made my way into the stadium and we got word of who was starting and who was on the bench and who wasn't and Messi wasn't even dressed, it's obvious that my son and I were disappointed. But am I upset? I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, not upset. I'm not angry because when you buy tickets for an event, whether it's a sporting event, whether it's a concert, I, if, if I think I saw on Facebook that – uh, Bruce Springsteen has a little bit of a health scare so that he won't be performing in Montreal yeah. and you had tickets there, right? I mean, when you buy tickets to, you buy them knowing that anything is possible and the athlete might not be there. They might be hurt. They might be dressed. They might not. They might play a lot. They might not play a lot. They might play well. They might not play well. Uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen, you know, might have something. <laughs> this, is, this is it. What are you well, especially doing? in sports. I mean, Springsteen... You know, hopefully he gets well better. He canceled all his concerts for the rest of this year, and uh, hopefully he will play in Montreal next year when he gets better. But sports, you're right. You never know. Guys get hurt. I mean, if you're a Canadiens fan, you go to the first preseason game at the Bell Center, hoping to see Cole Caulfield. He wasn't in the first game. He wasn't in the second game. So sports especially, you never know. Uh, you're right. You're right. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I hope I hope that Connor Bedard's going to be in the lineup for the Chicago Blackhawks oh, yeah. uh, on the first Saturday night game of the season for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, which I believe is going to be on the 14th of October, because um, I saw something earlier today. Do you know what a ticket on the glass is going for? Cost price. This I'm not sure. Cheap. Cost price, I'd say six, seven hundred around there. Nine hundred. Wow. And there's tax included and all that stuff. Yeah. Like it's nine hundred. Yeah. I've never seen that before. By the way, I've never seen yeah. a price like that. A cost price uh, on a ticket like that. But yeah, nine hundred dollars. I saw that earlier and it'll today. Sell. Supply and demand economics. You're, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, okay, so on that note, let's let's talk. And by the way, for those who are wondering why I, I, I worked on Tuesday's podcast and I worked on Thursday's, the Canadians played Monday, they played Wednesday, yesterday, and they're going to play Friday. And I knew I wasn't going to be watching the games live, but I was going to be watching them later. I'm not going to come on if I didn't watch a game live okay but that's why i was in on tuesday and thursday all right so um there's so many things so many areas we can go to i know you're a big admirer of the way sean monahan plays yeah. the game here's a guy who can fit in on any line yep. here's a guy who can probably play all three forward positions on any line and i think you asked marty st louis about him mm-hmm uh, and I think Marty St. Louis was talking about the fact that he just simplifies the game and he just, he knows where to be and he's willing to accept any role and play perfection. Elaborate on what he said, because obviously you know a lot more about it. Well, I have the, the quote after in front of me here. I'll just, I'll read it to you. He says, what he does on the ice, he does what the game needs him to do at that time. If it's to buy time, is it to put a puck in the space for somebody who's in a better position? Is it going to the net? Is it being net front? I feel he plays with a lot of balance on the ice, a lot of poise, and he's pretty responsible defensively. I just feel like he understands the rules of the game, and I'm not talking offside and icing or penalties. He just understands what needs to, what he needs to do, what the game is asking for him to do, and he's doing this live in real time. It's a great quality. And I, I what, a, what a what a great quote, eh, Stu? He no, does. Marty's, Marty's fantastic with the quote. I mean, you ask him, I ask him that question. If you ask him a question that isn't sort of a cliche question, you ask him. If you ask him a good question, you always get a really good answer. 
And when it's a good question, you'll see he'll pause for a minute and you can see he's thinking about how he's going to say it. And he just, he's so well-spoken. And, and that's, you know, the scrimmage, the first scrimmage Monaghan was playing, I remember last year covering uh, the team at the beginning of the season. And when he'd be on the ice, I would just sort of focus on him. And he, he almost never makes a bad play with the puck. It's amazing. He just, if there's no play there, he'll dump it, he'll chip it. He's just so smart with the puck. And I started watching him in the scrimmages this year. And as I wrote at the beginning of my comment, I almost forgotten what a smart hockey player he was. And then last night, you know, his first preseason game, his first game in nine months, the first period, he looked a little shaky. He made a couple of mistakes with the puck. But the second or third period, he was, he was the Sean Monaghan. He, he, he just makes so many smart plays. And I think he really compliments Suzuki and Caulfield well. And that's one of the big things to me. You know, Marty has so many options with that line. Uh, I practiced today. He had Alex Newhook playing uh, wing with those two guys. But he's got so many options. But I just think that Sean Monaghan is a great fit on that line. And even face-offs. The fact he shoots left and Suzuki shoots right, and so does Doc, they can take all their faceoffs in the strong sides. And last night, uh, Monaghan won 11 of the 15 faceoffs he took, and wow. Suzuki, won, Suzuki won five of his nine. So Monaghan was what 73%, Suzuki was 56%. And faceoffs have been a problem for the Canadians uh, with Doc and, and with Suzuki. Suzuki's gotten better. But the fact that they both shoot right and Monaghan shoots left, whatever line he's on with those guys, the centerman's always going to be taking his face off on the strong side. And Monaghan will take the face off and then switch back to right wing or switch back. He can play anywhere. I mean, he had 20 minutes of ice time last night. He had like six minutes on the power play. He had three minutes almost uh, shorthanded. He's just a, a really good veteran. The players love him. They're happy he came back. Uh, you know, he's playing one point. Well, he'll make $2 million if he plays 26 games this year, one more than last year. Uh, I thought it was a really good signing by Kent Hughes. Uh, risk-free signing. If he does come back, if he can stay healthy and have a really good season, uh, you'd get a lot for him at the trade deadline if you want to move him. Uh, but I just think uh, he's just a fun player to watch. I love, you know, you don't see it so much on TV. It's hard to isolate a guy when you're watching him on TV. But if people do go to the Bell Center, when Monaghan's on the ice for a couple of shifts, just watch him. Don't watch anything else. And it's, it's amazing just how smart he is with the puck and without the puck. So if you remember when the Canadians acquired him and they ended up getting a first round pick with yeah. him, a lot of people were saying, okay, he's got one year left on his deal. He has a good season with the Canadians. You trade him at the deadline. You not only got your first, when you acquired him, you're going to end up getting another first by trading him. So now you acquire Sean Monaghan, you're going to get two firsts. Okay. We all know what happened. He got hurt. Uh, I think he played 25 games. He picked up 70, 17 points. And they, they both met in the offseason. They both said, hey, you know what? You're not going to get a long-term deal with another team because a lot of teams think that you're injury-prone. Um, you did so well with us. If you come back and you're healthy, you're going to pick up even more points. And at that point, you have a better chance of picking up that long-term contract, whether it's with us or with somebody else. So he decided to come back. From the moment that contract was announced, I said that it was my personal wish that Sean Monaghan was going to play with Suzuki and Caulfield. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I'm head on into the rebuild. I'm thinking about the team, thinking about the rebuild, thinking about acquiring assets. Every single trade that Kent Hughes does, he ends up adding a second, a first, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth. He ends up adding draft picks all the time. He did it in every single trade. He did it in the mm -hmm. Foley trade. He did it in the Sherratt trade. He did it in the Lekkanen trade. He did it in the Petrie trade. He did it in the the the, the, yeah. uh, the Hoffman trade. I mean, the, the, he did it in the Joel Edmondson trade. Um, every single trade, he acquires assets. And if Sean Monaghan's healthy and he plays 
what's his best chance of him picking up points? Playing with Suzuki and Caulfield. And if he picks up points, and all of a sudden you get to the trade deadline, and Sean Monahan has, I might be exaggerating here, but let's just say he's got, I don't know, he's got um, 17 goals in third and third assist trade deadline. And he's a guy that when he takes faceoffs, he's probably going to end up being the best faceoff man of 90% of the teams in the National Hockey League. There's a chance that you can get that first again. Without a doubt. I mean, he's, he's a valuable, valuable performer in the playoffs. If you, you know, a guy can play in any line, play center, play wing, kill penalties, uh, play on the power play. He's a valuable, valuable commodity. And the other reason he came back here, Tony, is he really wanted to come back. I asked him about that the other day. He wanted to play in Montreal again. He loved the fans. He loved the atmosphere. He said, you can't beat playing at the Bell Center. He really loved it. He loved being around the young guys. And they got a lot of guys in this team now who want to play here. You know, Cole Caulfield, an American kid, signed a long-term deal to stay in Montreal. Suzuki lives here year-round now. They got a bunch of guys who like playing in Montreal. They like playing for Marty St. Louis. And Sean Monaghan's one of those guys. He really wanted to come back here. So, you know, if they can end, if he has a great season, they trade him for a first-round pick at the trade deadline. If the Canadians aren't in the playoffs, which I don't think they will be, there's nothing stopping them from re-signing him again in the summer if they want to bring him back on another two-year deal. Cole Caulfield the other day was talking with him, and he said, Made a good point. So people forget that Monahan is only 28 years old. You know, he's 18 years old when he was playing in the NHL. He's got 10 years' experience. His body's yeah. thicker. He's had a lot of surgeries. I mean, he's had wrist surgery and groin surgery and hips. Uh, hips. He's had a lot of lot of problems. But he was saying the other day that his body felt as good as it's felt in a long time. He said the same thing last year at training camp. But the injury he had was a like, it was a broken foot. It's not like he pulled a groin, and not like it was a conditioning thing. It's not like he took a slap shot off the foot and it broke his foot. I mean that that happens in hockey. That's just bad luck, like Brendan Gallagher breaking his ankle. Uh, it's not a case of your body breaking down when you break a bone in your foot. It's just bad luck. So he's looked really good. I mean, I really watched him closely during the scrimmages at training camp, and again last night, and he he looked smooth. There was a couple of plays where he fell and fell awkwardly. He got up. He wasn't yeah. hoping. There's nothing there. Um, and he, he's one of those, he's just a hockey, I mean, Marty St. Louis always says the guy's a hockey player and he's a hockey player. He's just, he's, he's, he looks like a hockey player. He, he walks and talks and skates like a hockey player. Uh, I think he's just a really, really good signing for this team. And it just shows how this new management team and under the coach, guys like Sean Monaghan want to play here. They really do. There you go. Uh, Still, we got a new line. If he looks like a hockey player and smells like a hockey player, he's a <laughs> hockey player. All right. Okay. Well, he's old school uh, too. I was laughing last night because you see him. I mean, his visor's on his helmet just as a decoration. Right? He's got it up on the, the top of his head. He's one of those uh, – uh, I'm sure he's played like that since he was in junior. Uh, you can't do that in junior anymore. You get a penalty unless you're – Tell the puck to flex and you're in front of the net and you end up losing a couple of chickens. Well, that's – yeah, exactly. But uh, that's – that's uh, obviously, Charmaine is not used to playing with it. He's played with that way a long time. But uh, for him, uh, good guy to deal with. Um Teammates love him. Uh, I wish him nothing but the best this season. He's been through an awful lot with all the injuries he's had. But if he can stay healthy, as I wrote in my column today, uh, his hockey IQ is as high as it's ever been. Uh, You don't lose that no matter how many injuries you have. So if he can stay healthy, I think he'll have a really good season. All right. Uri Slavkowski played well yesterday. He did. All right. And he scored a goal. And I know he's 19 years old. And you know he's 19 years old. And we know that you got to be patient with players, especially big players. But there are different rules for first picks overall 
they're supposed to be pretty good right away. And obviously, yeah, we know that Joe Thornton picked up seven points in his first season, yeah. and we know that it took Tage Thompson uh, four years before <laughs> he became really good. We, we get that. But before last night's game, be honest with me. Were you a little bit concerned or just even asking yourself a couple of questions, yes or no, about Slavkowski? Yeah, I'm still asking questions. It was one exhibition game, right? The, the first period of the first preseason game, he didn't look very good. He looked better the last two periods. As Marty St. Louis said after the game last night, he said five good periods in preseason. You know, they weren't playing against a real NHL team last night either. There's, you, you know, there's he's 18 years or 19 years old now, but he's got things that he's got to learn. I mean, last season, as a, you know, I think I've said to you before, Tony, he looked lost on the ice many times, especially in the defensive zone. Um, but he's got to learn. The thing I like about him, he's, He's a light, like he's got a really good personality. Like he jokes around with the media. He, he's, he's having fun. He's not letting the weight of everything weigh him down the way it happens with some young players here uh, playing in Montreal. So he seems to have that going for him. He's got the, that confidence, but he's got he's to build up more confidence. And as Marty St. Louis said this week, you know, I can't buy him confidence. The best way for him to get confidence is to find spots on the ice where he's going to get the puck. The more he touches the puck, the more he's going to gain his confidence. And the other thing that's interesting that Marty St. Louis said, he talked about playing with Kirby Doc. And he mm -hmm. said how Doc's more of a passer than a shooter, and which is true. And he says you want somebody on that line with him who's going to shoot the puck. So Slavkovsky, last night he shot the puck. Uh, he was shooting the puck when he got chances. And that's the thing I think he's got to, you know, you're a young kid in the league, you're nervous, the play's coming so fast, everything's happening so quick. And he was talking about this after the game, the first preseason game. Like, it's, it's everything's happening so quick, and then you got to think to shoot. But the shooting chances in the NHL happen so quickly, and you got to be ready. So that's something he's got to work on. And that's one of the reasons that Marty had him with Kirby Doc because, as he said, you know Kirby Doc's a passer more than a shooter. Uh, but that line, that line looked uh, looked pretty good together also. And uh, with Slavkos, yeah, there's concerns. I mean, I thought he should have gotten been sent back to the AHL last year after he played nine games or whatever it was, and let him play in the AHL, let him play tons of minutes, let him play power play, shorthanded, uh, send him to the World Juniors, just let him play a ton uh, for that confidence. They didn't do that, um, but. Um, I, you know, I, Marty at the golf tournament said, like, basically he's going to start the season with the team. I don't think there's any way he's not going to start the season with the team. But mm -hmm. if he continues to struggle, uh, be interesting to see what they do. But they seem to be, Marty and Ken Hughes and the whole management team seem to be willing to be very patient with him. And as Ken Hughes said before that draft, he said, told the scouts, I want you to draft the guy who's going to be the best player in three or four years from now and down the road, not the guy who's going to be the best player right now. Well, okay, so... Um... The fact that he had the game that he had yesterday playing with Doc, it's a couple of times that we've had a chance to see him now play with some pretty good players on a pretty good line. Do you think that St. Louis has already decided that Slavkowski is going to be on his second line? I think he has an idea. Marty was asked about it after the game last night. And, you know, I think it was Francois Gagnon said, you know, do you have all the lines up in your board in your office sort of figuring what you're going to have? And he said, sort of, like, you think he has an idea. I mean, he had them with, uh, I think it was Newhook and Anderson earlier in, in training camp. Mm -hmm. um, you know, two big wingers and Newhook, a great center. Newhook and Anderson had really good chemistry together uh, early in the training camp. So, uh, yeah, I think I think he's going to start the season most likely in the top six. And they're going to let him either play his way to staying there or play his way out of staying there. Um, again, I think they're really willing to be patient uh, with this guy. Uh 
you know, if it doesn't work out with them, they're going to take a lot of heat, especially if Logan Cooley sets to light it up uh, in Arizona. We saw that highlight real goal he scored in unbelievable in Australia. Um, so, it's, but they're going to be patient with them, and you know, the big package is there. I've, I've said, I may have said this to you before. Like since watching Slavkovsky, I've never there's there's you know that Logan Cooley goal. You went wow, this kid's awesome. Slavkovsky hasn't had that sort of wow factor no. moment yet since he's been in the NHL. You haven't really, he's, 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 uh, he's, wow, that's why he was the number one pick. We haven't really had that. I, I don't know if we apart from his not, size. I'm not going to say size. we. I'm not going to say we never will because he will. I mean, there's there's been yeah. fourth line players that have scored highlight real goals in the National yeah. Hockey League, but I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's he's going to be that kind of player. Like I just I start I'm starting to think. Yeah. He's just going to be a modern day power forward. Now the power forwards of of the eighties and the nineties were the guys that would crash the net, would drop the gloves, <laughs> would 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 change the hit with a you yeah. know would change the game with a hit. Were nasty to play against, could score forty plus goals. The Cadnelys, the Keith Kachucks of this world, and all that stuff. Eric Lindros, but I just think Slavkovsky is going to end up being a power forward. Who's not mean like those guys? Well, yeah, that's the thing it, that that aggressiveness, right? Does it if it doesn't come naturally? I think it's hard to to get it out. Like, I'm sure Brady Kachuk's played the way he's played since he was six years old. You know, Brandon Gallagher. There's a video of him playing in that brick tournament when he was like eight, and it's the exact same Brandon Gallagher you yeah. see now, crashing yeah. the goalie, running people over, doing anything to score a goal. When you don't naturally have that in you, I don't know how easy or how possible it is for a coach. To get it out of you. I mean, Yola Army is an example. You watch this guy, big, strong guy. He should be a physical presence out there. He's not. He just. I brought, I brought up a name. Him. I brought up a name earlier today with George Larac and Stefan Gonzalez. Okay, of players that, uh, or a player that was a power forward, but wasn't necessarily like like a mean person. Right? Would would defend yep. himself if he had to, and it was John Leclerc. And yep. George Larac said to me. Are you telling me that Euro Slavkovsky is going to be John Leclerc? And I said, I didn't say that. Yeah. Because, but I said, what I said was, I said, John Leclerc was a power forward, but he wasn't as mean as the Tockets or the yeah. Shanahan's or the Neely's or the Kachuks of this world, but he was considered a power forward. Yeah. So once again, George said, Are you comparing him to John Leclerc? But let me ask you this if Slavkovsky would have a John Leclerc career, that was 967 games in the National Hockey League, 406 goals, 413 assists, 819 points. So everything that he did basically was uh, almost a goal every other game, almost an assist yep. every other game, and uh, almost the point every other game. So he's just under. He's he's probably like at a percentage of I don't know 0.90 or something like that. Would you would you take it? Of course. I mean, Leclerc. No, fighting's almost out of the game now. Totally. So it's not really even a, that much of a factor. With Slavkowski, it's just using his size and like if you know when he was at Newark and Anderson. As I said, Anderson and Newark had great chemistry together, and Slavkowski was sort of trying to fit in with them. But that could be a good line. Just playing with Josh Anderson and watching Josh Anderson. I mean, Josh Anderson punishes opposing defenseman on the forecheck, goes up and down his wing, skates. And so he's got to turn into – he's got to get more Josh Anderson. And the, thing, the other thing concerning about Slavkowski, the game against the Devils, he came in, he tried to make a little move at the blue line, and he got flattened by the defenseman. 
he's, he's got his head down a lot. And I think because he was so big as a kid, he never got hit. And if he did get hit, the other guy probably just bounced off him. In the NHL, guys don't bounce off you. You go down. No matter how these guys know how to hit, they're big, strong guys. And that's an adjustment for him. I don't think he's used to that. You know, I asked him the other night after the game, I said, how difficult is it, not just for him, but all these guys? You know, you're, you're a first-round draft pick. You've been the best player on your team probably since you were five or six years old and probably the best player in your league. You get to the NHL, and now you're not. Now you're like a third liner to start or a fourth liner or you're fighting for a spot. You've been the superstar your whole life, and now you're not. Now you're just trying to find a spot. And that's when he sort of talked about how everything happened so fast in the NHL and how hard it is. The NHL is a hard league to play in, even harder when you're 18 years old. And for him, you know, a guy like Gallagher coming to the NHL, he's been pounded and beaten and driven into the boards or Harvey Pinard. He's had to go through that his whole life. So Crossy's never had to go through that. He's never had to be physically challenged the way he is now in the NHL. And I think that's a huge adjustment. And hopefully for him, he can make that adjustment. I mentioned Yul Armia before. Yul Armia has never been able to do that. As I say, he's a big, nice guy who plays like a big, nice guy. Slavkowski's a big, nice guy too, but you hope he plays like a big, not-so-nice guy sometimes. Uh, get a little bit of Brady Kachuk in him. Um, and again, it's not about fighting. It's just like finishing checks, hitting guys, being tough to play in front of the net. Like John LeClaire did. I don't, I don't remember John LeClaire fighting at all, but I remember him being a physical presence and a guy that was hard to handle. Uh, in front of that, hard to handle in the corners, one puck battles, use this size well. And that's something that Josh Anderson does. And, you know, I yeah. I'm talking about this before, when people are saying, oh, trade Josh Anderson, trade Josh Anderson, get rid of him. The day you trade Josh Anderson, they start looking for another Josh Anderson. Well, okay. it's, it's funny because when they acquired Josh Anderson, the reason why they acquired him is they were looking for a kind of player like that for a very long exactly. time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and the guy, has, you know, you look at that run to the Stanley Cup final they had, Anderson punished the defenseman on the other teams on the forecheck. You dump it. You know, you're a defenseman against something in your corner. You're turning it. You know Anderson's coming behind you. You know you're going to get hit. With Slavkowski, you don't really know that. With Army, you, you, you know you're probably not going to get hit. So it's a case of Slavkowski. Just, he's got to learn to use his size more. You know, I think he will. Like I, think, I don't think he's going to turn into a superstar player, but I think he's going to turn into, a, as you said, like an okay power forward. And then number one overall draft pick, every draft is different. Right? Like You can't compare Slavkowski to Connor Bedard or Sidney Crosby. These are generational talents, guys. Or Nathan off. McKinnon or Austin or, Matthews yeah. or Connor McDavid or there's just it's, it's, there's, or Alex Ovechkin. I mean, he was the number one pick that year, and there was debate over, you know, over who was going to be the number one pick. These other guys you mentioned, there's no debate, right? They were going to be number one. It didn't. There was yeah. no, no debate yeah. over it. So he's, he's a number one overall pick with a bit of an asterisk, just in that there was, he wasn't the unanimous. In fact, he wasn't even talked about as the number one pick uh, you know, leading up to the draft. It was late where he sort of, after the Olympics and after the World Championships, where his stock rose. So it's, it's you know, Joe Thornton's a guy I keep coming back to. You mentioned him earlier, a big guy who struggled early in his career, got traded and blossomed. And then Joe Thornton wasn't a big, aggressive guy, but he knew how to use his size well. And that's, I think, the key for Slavkowski is just learning how, I said, the one thing that's made me go, wow, about him is his size and just how freaking big he is. And when you see him in the locker, like with a T-shirt on, he's a man-child, as Kerb Zerkowski described him in his story. He's a big, 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 strong kid. But he's got to learn to use that to his advantage as much as he possibly can. Hey, Stu, before I talk to you about Kirby Doc, uh, Big V Live Productions in association with Nick Eddie are happy to present the Wise Guys of Comedy Saturday, October 7th at 8 p.m. at Salle des Collège Marie-Victorin, 
7,000 Rue Marie-Victorin, Montreal. Mike Marino is bringing his Welcome to the Family World Tour to Montreal with special guest Angela Majorano Thurston from Toronto and Montreal's very own Franco Tadeo as MC, my buddy Franco. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be a night of laughs. We look forward to it. All right, okay. I'll talk to you about Kirby Doc now. Because Marty St. Louis was asked about Doc with Caulfield and Suzuki. And he said, I already know what they can do. Mm -hmm. Basically, he was saying he already knows that Doc can be great over there. Yep. But if you didn't think it already or want to believe it before last night, I know Jeff Gordon has said it, and I know Kent Hughes said it, but when Marty St. Louis last night says, guys, with Suzuki and Doc at the center position, I, as a coach, am very comfortable with that moving forward. Yeah. Make no mistakes, Stu. You might see Doc with Suzuki and Caulfield for a shift or two or maybe even a period if something's not going right in a game or so. Yeah. But Kirby Doc staying at center. Yeah. I mean, the best option if they're looking to win games right now, right off the bat, I think you put Kirby Doc with those two guys. That's not what the Canadians are about this season, right? It's still about the developing process. And that's why I think Monaghan's a really good fit with those two guys. Uh, he helps Suzuki on the key faceoffs. Uh, take some of that pressure off Suzuki. You have Doc down on the second line. Um, at the center position, you want him to play moving forward. As Marty said, he's more of a passer than a shooter. You put him with somebody who can shoot the puck. Uh, you know, we see him with Sofkosky. They're hoping Sofkosky will shoot the puck. Um, you know, uh, Josh Annis is the guy who can shoot the puck. He'll shoot the puck if he gets it. And uh, Marty's all saying, you know, Monahan can shoot the puck. You know, he used to play with Johnny Goudreau, and he was a shooter on, 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 a, on a line. So it's a possibility of putting Monaghan back with Doc on the wing. And then, again, they can take face-offs on the strong side. So it's as Marty said right from day one at training camp, you know, he's got so many options now with his forward lines. And, you know, Newhook can play forward, can play wing, uh, play center, play wing. So he's got tons and tons of options. I think you're going to see a lot of rot rotating around. I don't think you're going to see mm -hmm. three or four fixed lines this season. I think the lines are going to change quite regularly as they do for almost every team in the NHL now is you see more duos and you see trios. Like, you, you know, they're not going to break up Suzuki and Caulfield unless they're really struggling, but I think you'll see different guys going and out playing with them. You'll see Doc go from center to wing, maybe a bit uh, more Monahan. You know, I think they're more comfortable moving Monahan back and forth as a veteran. Uh, Monahan said the other day, you know, I'm a natural center. I played center since I was a kid, but I'll, I'll play wherever Marty wants me to play, whatever he wants me to do, which is another sign of what a good veteran uh, he is on this team. But you're right. I think Kirby Doc, Moving forward, they see Kirby Doc as a center. When they made that trade, they saw Kirby Doc as a center. Uh, you know, go back to Bart Bergerang when they couldn't get centers. It's, oh, it's impossible to acquire centers in the NHL. Well, Ken Hughes has done a pretty good job of uh, stocking his lineup with centers. And center, which was always the big hole in the Canadiens, now they have an abundance of centers and guys that can move around. So, uh, but yeah, I, I see Doc as a center moving forward. Well, I think Mark Bergerang said that was when he said it was, it was number one centerman in the National yeah. Hockey League. And if Doc's career, keeps on going the way it's going and he just keeps on getting better and better every time yeah. we see him it's not impossible to think that he's going to end up supplanting nick suzuki as the number one centerman on this team now i wouldn't bet on it because suzuki has always picked up more points at every level and usually number one centermen are players who pick up more points than players who pick up less points but number one centermen often are guys who are big and strong and you know as well, like Docs, it's not impossible to think it's too. No, but number one centermen are also relied on a lot defensively. 
for the guys they're playing against, then, you know, Nick Suzuki's a better 200-foot player than Kirby Doc is. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. At least now. So that's the other thing that uh, that Nick has. But, I mean, if you have Nick Suzuki, if, if Doc can develop and you have, like, your 1 and 1A center, you know, that's that's the, the future. What's one of the reasons the future looks right for the Canes? Just because they have – not only they have depth down the center, they have youth. I mean, Newhook's 23, I think, also. They're, they got a lot of young guys. Doc, with his size, should be looking at a guy like Barkoff. And yeah. saying, you know what, I, you know, I got to try to become Barkoff. I mean, that would yep. be that would be pretty cool. But yeah, well, you, no, watch, you watch Doc the way you can control the puck and the way he wins puck battles in the corner, and he has that little stick lift move he, he uses on the boards to steal the puck off guys. And he's just he, he's playing with a lot of confidence now. Uh, you know, I think Marty St. Louis was a perfect coach for him when he came here. Uh, you know that, that video the Canes had from the draft table when they made the trade and they had Ken Hughes on the phone with Doc. He says, "You're going to love our coach." That was one of the first things he said. And yeah. that's been the case. Uh, Doc has loved playing for Marty St. Louis, and Marty St. Louis is able to um, get the best out of his guys, like get them to see the game a little differently. Getting, you know, uh, interesting when uh, St. Louis said the other day, you know, he says, Doc's a passer, not a shooter. He's always a pass first type of guy. But the way he can control the puck, and if he can find open guys, like with Nick Suzuki, he's a pass first. I mean, the way Nick Suzuki finds Cole Caulfield all over the ice, it's incredible. They, had, they were doing two on two drills the other day on Brossard. And they had uh, from Blue Light in, and they had Suzuki and Caulfield together. I was watching them, and it was it was amazing to watch just the way they can find each other. And, and they were born them. to play together. Still, what's that? They were born to play together. They were. Guys. I mean, but watching the two on two drills, I was like going, like every two on two drill would last I don't know forty five seconds, and you'd see two or three passes. You go, wow, how did he do that? Like, how did they get it right there on the stick? And the way they know where each other is going, and they know where they're going to find open ice. Um, but again, if if Doc does end up playing with like a Josh Anderson, uh, that could be really interesting. That could be those two together with uh, if Slavkowski could fit in that yeah. role. That could be a really interesting line. I uh, I talked to you before about uh, Big V Live Productions in association with Nick Calité. Happy to present the Wise Guys of Comedy Saturday, October 7th at 8 p.m. at Salle Desilets, Collège Marie-Victorin. Now I can tell you as well that Vincent Soumarin food truck uh, will be serving, and I love some of their stuff, by the way. Their people <laughs> and their subs, absolutely unbelievable. We'll be serving some hot, delicious pizza before the show. And, of course, part of the proceeds will be going towards the SMA, Spinal Muscular Atrophy Foundation, and we thank them for that. Come grab a bite and have a few laughs. It will be a fun-filled evening. Tickets can be purchased online at bigvliveproductions.ca. That's bigvliveproductions.ca. Stay tuned for our ticket giveaway on social media. All right, okay. Um, One or two more topics for you here. Uh, George Larac was very vocal on his radio show, Larac and Gonzalez, yesterday on BPM Sports. When he saw Ottawa's lineup, which came out one night before the game, and he saw the Canadians' lineup, he was really upset with the Montreal Canadiens and said, "Um, this is a wrong move. Ottawa's got four guys who can drop the gloves, and you have none in the lineup. This is a wrong move. You're going to put some of your better players in a little bit of danger. Luckily, nobody got hurt. But you yeah. did see that Kastelik, uh boarding on Caden Gooley, and David yeah. Savard went to his defense. You did see the Ottawa Senators and some of their players yesterday take liberties on the Montreal Canadiens. Do you think Marty St. Louis made a mistake? Yeah, 
yeah, I hadn't really thought of it until you mentioned it, but now that you mention it, it would have been good to maybe have a Pizzetta out there when they saw what Ottawa's lineup was. And Caden Gould, I mean, he went into the boards hard yeah. on the shoulder. And that's one of those ones, you know, he got up a little slow, but that's one of those ones you wonder, like, is he going to be okay two days from now? Is that one of those things that might flare up after? Uh, Kirby Doc got hit hard a couple of times too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you got guys running around, you know, minor league guys uh, taking runs at the Canadians guys, and you're right there. I mean, David Savard came to Ghoulies' defense. Good for David Savard. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, now that, you know, what George Lack says, it makes sense. I mean, if you're, you look at the lineup and you see they got some guys, you want to protect your guys. But uh, did you hear St. Louis tackled it at the end of the game? And he's like, yeah, you know, if they would have got their lineup out a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah. But they did. They got it out the night before. Yeah. And then he said, now that I think about it, I mm -hmm. probably should have. But then well, he said, at the same time, we want to play hockey. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, Marty St. Louis is still learning as a coach. You know, he's an inexperienced NHL coach, and he probably won't make that mistake again. And he's also so confident in himself, he'll admit if you, you know, he basically, you know, always said, you know, maybe I should have done something differently. But we, they have, we do want to play hockey. Um, and they want to play the guys that they want to see they're with. But I'm sure next time they get a lineup like that in the preseason, Marty St. Louis will do something differently because he's learning on the job as he's going along. When you talk about, I want to call him earlier in training camp, all this talk about the developing of the players. They're also developing Marty St. Louis as an NHL head coach. Uh, you know, there's no problem with his communication. There's no problem with the way he sees the game. There's no problem with him getting the most out of his players. But little things like that, you know, line matchups and how the bench operates. And like you mentioned, that little thing with just the preseason game where you might want to put somebody with a little bit of muscle just in case these guys do decide to take liberties with uh, um, some of your players, like we saw last night. So I'm, uh, and I'm sure the next time that happens, Marty St. Louis will have a different response. In conversation with uh, Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette and HockeyInsideOut.com. Are you enjoying the preseason, my friend? Yes or no? Because it's hard to enjoy it, but this year is a little bit different because they knocked a couple of games off the schedule, at least for the Canadians anyway. Yeah, I'm enjoying watching it. As I said, the line combination has been really interesting. The high preseason hockey is what it is. It's a little scrappy. Um, I feel sorry for the season ticket holders who have to buy tickets for all four games at regular season prices. But, um, yeah, just the lineup matches. I mean, Caden Gooley is so fun to watch. This kid, I think, is going to be a star in the NHL for a long time. It's better than spending $1,000 U.S. on two tickets to go watch a soccer <laughs> game and the guy you want to play is not playing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, no, it's been, you know, it's been fun watching the scrimmages. It was good this year that they opened the stands to the scrimmages and Brossard so the fans get right in and get yeah. When you sit in Brossard down low and you watch the scrimmage, you just realize how fast the game is and how hard these guys shoot and how fast they skate and everything else. This is just in a scrimmage. But, yeah, it's it's really interesting. You're right. To me, six preseason games is more than enough. Uh, four of them are at the Bell Center. Uh, yeah. we didn't quite, I think they have three games against the Leafs coming up. Uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, but, yeah. For hey, hey, Davidson, Davidson's pretty good, eh? He is. Yeah, he's looked okay. There's a lot of guys. Yeah. That you had to the other guy, defense, uh, keeper. I can't remember his first name now, but I was watching him in the scrimmages, and he looked really good. I had to look up to see who he is. He's a career minor yeah. defense. But he's looked good out there. Like he'll play, he'll be good in the battle. That's one of the things I like is just seeing guys that you don't really know, or you don't get to see that often. But to me, again, the most intriguing part is just the line combinations. It's going to be really interesting to see what yeah. Marty's lines are on opening night in Toronto. I uh, I believe the uh, the first name is uh, is it uh, is it. Um... Is it Brady or what for a keeper? 
Uh, I need to look it up. I can't even remember. He's, let me see. But a, a smooth, not a big guy. Yeah, Brady Keeper, you're right. He's yeah, uh, I, yeah, 27 yeah. years old, 6'2", yeah. 197, never drafted. Yeah. Played uh, for the Abbotsford Canucks last season. They they, they should have called him Heza. <laughs> He's a keeper. He played in the, the OCN Blizzard in the MJHL in 58 games. He had 202 penalty minutes. Hey, can I tell you um, can I tell you an amazing story now that we're yeah. talking about uh, players and uh, and their background? So, you know, last night you obviously saw Jabril Toure, mm -hmm. who plays defense for the Ottawa Senators, right? Yeah. So Jabril uh, is a 2003 born. Jabril played soccer on the same team as my 20-year-old Anthony. Oh, that's cool. They, play, they played for CS St. Laurent. And Until Jabril, what age? And Jabril, well, they were playing, uh, I think they played with each other when they were 13 years old, if memory serves me well. They played on the same team when they were 13. And then Anthony moved on to another team, but I think Jabril still played soccer for a couple of years. And then at one point, Jabril, you know, ended up going towards hockey. And Jabril Toure, two years ago, played in the CCHL for the Carlton Place Canadians mm -hmm. and then the Hawkesbury Hawks. Yeah. Undrafted player who ends up catching on with the Sudbury Wolves of the OHL. Undrafted. Not drafted in the National Hockey League. Shows up to camp. Is now 20 years old, six foot seven, 200 pounds, West Island kid. Mm -hmm. And one week ago, earned himself a three year entry level contract. Like two years ago, like we're talking about, yeah. he was playing in the CCHL yeah. and once again, undrafted everywhere he goes. And it just goes to show that if you keep working hard yeah. and you stick with, and I'm, I, I bring him up because I'm so proud. I'm so proud of this kid because so many other players would have given up and they would have said, hey, you know what? Like yep. I'm 19 years old. I'm 20 years old. What am I doing this for? But they end up doing it because, A, they love the game. But, B, they don't stop believing. Yeah. And so this kid loves the game and he didn't stop believing. And you know what? I'm so proud of this kid. It's an amazing story. And and Stu, I, I know he's an Ottawa senator, but maybe we can get you the coordinates. Maybe you can seeing he's a good old West Island boy. Uh, you can probably it's tell a, a story on this kid. It's, it's a great story. And the other part I love with the story is that he actually played another sport besides hockey up until he was thirteen or fourteen, which you don't it, you don't hear enough of that today. Like I mean, I've seen yeah. Nick, Nick Suzuki played soccer up until he was about twelve or thirteen. Also, and he talked about how much that helped him as a hockey player about spacing and passing and, and sort of seeing the bigger picture of the game. And now you yeah. have so many kids today that, you know, that all they do is play hockey from the time they're five years old. Summer, so speaking, winter. speaking of great stories and multi-sport, I think I may have told you this one, but if I didn't, uh, once again, my son, Anthony also played soccer with a boy by the name of Olivier Maxence Prosper. Mm -hmm. They went to an international tournament in Spain together and played versus some elite academies in the world. Olivier Maxence played soccer until about the age of 15. Very competitive. He was a very, mm -hmm. very good player. At 15, he decided he was playing soccer and basketball. He decided, I'm going to go the way of basketball. 
I think he made a pretty good move because Olivier Maxence today is six foot eight. And a couple of months ago, we went to the Barclays Center to go support him because he was drafted and then traded to the Dallas Mavericks. And it looks like he's going to be starting the season with them. So yeah. there's another story. He's a Laval boy, by the way. He's a Laval boy. And well, look at Patrick Bernier. I mean, Patrick Bernier played uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League uh, in the Quebec yeah. Junior Hockey League as a defenseman, and then he decided to take the soccer route. So, I, I mean, I'm such a big proponent of kids playing more than one sport. You know, it, it, I think it's – it's. I've never talked with Gary Roberts, who's one of the former yeah. NHL player, one of the big trainers. And yeah. he was saying he doesn't want his kids – you know, the, Steven Stamkos is one of his – guys he's worked with since he was young. They said Stankos is a good golfer. He's a good baseball player. He's a good he's in the gym. He's good. He's an athlete who plays hockey. And today you get so many kids that are just hockey players. And Jake Allen, an interesting, interesting conversation with Jake Allen last year at the, one of the craft uh, hockeyville games, either in Booktish or Gander. I can't remember. We're talking about the injuries, groin injuries and that with these hockey players. And he was saying he thinks one of the reasons is all these, so many of these kids, that's all they do from the time they're five years old is play hockey. And skating is not a natural movement for your body on your knees and your groins and your hips and that. And he said, do you think that's part of the reason why you see so many younger hockey players with hip and groin and, and knee issues just because they've never, it's a, not a natural movement and they haven't done other sports and maybe build the muscles around those, those things. Uh, so it's an interesting take. So I always love those stories when you hear, uh, you know, Stu, I got to tell you, I got to tell you with Gary Roberts, he wanted his kid. He doesn't even want the kids to play indoor lacrosse in the summer. He wanted if you're playing lacrosse, play play out, outdoor lacrosse. He didn't want them in the arenas. Like you're in the arena all winter, do something outside. Play soccer, play baseball, play outdoor lacrosse, do something outside. You know, I never thought that multi-sport was was more effective than just playing one sport and trying to master it. But I'm I'm starting to come along, and I'm I, I may be changing my mind on this one because. The detriment of one sport, you burn out. And kids get, get fed up with the sport. I mean, you, you burn out and you get, you get fed up with the sport. You're right. When you're doing two, three, and four sports, at one point, you know what? You, you're, you're having fun because you're not missing out on everything. You're working all different areas of your body, all your different muscles. You're meeting different people, different friends. You're, you're, yeah. And you're, you're, you know, you're, the interest levels. And then at one point, you're going to end up following your passion. Your passion is going to be one yeah. of those sports. But when you're doing the same sport all the time, you start saying, you know what? Like I dedicated my whole life to this, and it's one sport all the time, all the time, all the time. And 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 the parents that, and uh, I was a little bit guilty of this as well because in winter I would put them in camps. But when you put them in camps, uh, in their off season, like those that do, you know, summer hockey, yeah, like I I think it's too much. I well, Mike Matheson, I had this conversation with Mike Matheson a few times, and his dad, it was either May first or May thirty first, one of those dates. His dad put the hockey equipment and lock it in the garage. You're done. You're not putting your hockey equipment on anymore. <clears throat> so Mike would play football. And he played soccer. He's a good football player, too. He told me it helped him learn how to hit and to take a hit for hockey. And he said, you know, when he went back for the tryout camps or AAA or whatever, he said, yeah, you know, the first three or four days on the ice, I was maybe behind the guys who had, you know, done the power skating all summer and played summer leagues and everything. But he says, I was also really excited to go back to the rink. Like, I couldn't wait to go back to the rink because I had been away for a couple of months. Is after three, four days at that age, you're caught up and you're back skating at the same level the other guys were who were uh, skating in the summer. But he said the thing that he, he said, I had that passion when hockey season started. I was so excited to start because I actually had an end. 
It wasn't like it's just a continuous where hockey never, never, ever ended. And he said, uh, and is that May? Is that wasn't all the hockey equipment went in the back of the garage and either it was the beginning or the end of May and you didn't touch it again until uh, uh, the tryout camp started for, for the next season. Stu, I'll end it with this. Is Joshua Roy or Emil Heineman or Jesse Alonen, uh, just to name a few, going to make this team? And if not, who is going to be the first one to be called up of the three? I don't think they will. I wrote a column earlier wondering if the Canadians will send Joel Armia to Laval. I don't know if they will, but I think playing him, continuing to play him at this point is almost pointless because he's not part of your future here. 30 years old like he is now. He's got two years left in that contract at 3.4 million. If you're playing him, you're taking away a spot from Heinemann or War, one of those guys that is part of your future. I don't know if the Canadians will do that. Um, personally, I would if I was Kent Hughes. Um, I think we've seen enough of Army and know who he is. And you hope somebody would claim him on waivers at that contract. I don't know if somebody will. But I think the guy closest to getting called up would probably be Heinemann out of those guys. Uh, just with the size, uh, how well he played in Laval last year. The fact that first day at training camp, he was on the line with Suzuki and Caulfield. I mean, didn't expect him to start the season there, but the fact they put him there to start training camp was like, we're going to give you every opportunity to make this team, including starting you off on the number one line. And he didn't look out of place. Uh, it's a big body. He can shoot the puck. Uh, he can move. He's, he's just scrimmages. It's hard to judge him, but he seemed physical in puck battles. So I think he's probably the guy closest. He's a little older than the other guys. Uh, I think he's probably the guy closest to to making the jump. But Joshua was an interesting guy. Like I, I like what I've seen from him in a lot of the things. You know, he played with Connor Bedard on the same line at the World Junior Team. Uh, one of the things I found really interesting talking with him at the development camp, I guess it was, he said he killed penalties for Team Canada at the World Juniors. He had never killed penalties before in his life at any level. He had never been yeah. used on the bouquet. So the coaches in Hockey Canada saw something in him that other coaches didn't see. They just saw him as the goal scorer. They saw that he could play PK. They saw that he could play with Connor Bedard, the best player at the tournament. Uh, Bedard talked about what a good player Wall was, how much he liked playing with him. So I think uh, Wall will have a spot on this team moving forward. But I think the best point for his development right now is to put him in Laval and play, like what I was talking about with uh, Slavkovsky earlier, play the hell out of him, play him on the power play, play him on the PK. Play him on your first line. Give him a ton of ice time. Let him get adjusted to playing pro hockey. Uh, hopefully score some goals, get some confidence that way. Um, but I think the first guy right now in that depth chart to have a chance to start the season with the team is going to be Heinemann. Stu, thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you soon, my man. All right, Tony. Enjoy uh, the rest of your time there in Florida. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I have had a great time thus far in Florida, and I hosted a couple of podcasts from here, uh, the Sick Podcast, CF Montreal Talk, and now a couple of podcasts, the Sick Podcast, of course, Talking Habs. And I've talked to you about this place. I, I want I want you to see it. So I taped it earlier today. All right. If you're looking for a hotel in South Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, I love this spot. It's the Ocean Sky Hotel and Resort. You can check them out on the internet at OceanSkyResort.com. And uh, why don't we uh, give you the tour here fast, fast. Is uh, They're a member of the Titan Group, okay? Titan.com. You can check it out. And I can tell you that uh, the Chateau Versailles, 
Hotel Travel Lodge in Montreal, Hotel 10 in Montreal, Hotel Travel Lodge in St. Froid, Le Saguen in Chicoutimi, the Nouvelle Hotel in Montreal, the Marriott Shadow Champlain, Mont Gabriel in St. Adele, the Mount Stephen Club, of course, in Montreal, the Sens Hotel in Montreal, the St. Matthew Condominiums, Strata Hotel in Beastry Plaza in Kingston, Ontario, and yes, the Ocean Sky Hotel and Resort in Fort Lauderdale. It's all part of the same group, the Titan Group. So is Club de Tennis Il Desarro, by the way. You can check it out at titan.com and check out their hospitality. Thank you so much for everyone watching, everyone listening. I very much appreciate it. And if you're watching on YouTube, like it, share it with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. And if you're going to listen to us on Apple, leave us a five-star review. It's our way of feeling the love. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana, Master Control, they're Cavallaro, live from Fort Lauderdale. I'm Marinero. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.